Welcome to Beer in a Movie, the podcast about two of the greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies. Sometimes achieving outstanding pairings, and other times giving ourselves the opportunity to wash the terrible taste out of our mouths, eh? I am Carlos Cooper, <laughs> with you for the last time with my co-hosts, Joe Hilliard and Dave Gurney. Uh, and, you know, we're here to do what it is that we always do, yeah. uh, and we're going to crack open a beer, one that Joe has brought. Welcome to the first installment of 2022's All Horror October. <laughs> Thank we will you. be talking about uh, at least one film that I have been trying to get on the show for over 200 episodes, and the day is finally here. You're realizing a dream. But that's and, not uh, until later. That's not, yeah, let's yeah, not get yeah, ahead yeah, of ourselves. That's true. Let's not get ahead we, we, of ourselves. We need, to, we need to start somewhere, and it's not going to be there. But Joe is off his whole thirty diet. I am drinking beer again a little mm-hmm. bit, and, <laughs> and is he, he sounds like he was very measured with his reintroduction so far. So and I'm, okay. I'm impressed. I, I haven't heard yeah. anything about that yet. Excited for that. Patreon.com/slash Beer Movie Podcast. Five dollars a month gets you bonus episodes every single week. And but but Joe's committing to the bit, to the season, yeah. to the theme, yes. and has brought us a beer that is appropriate. Got together with some high school friends over the weekend, and all of them brought plenty of alcohol for the festivities. And one of them brought us, like said, this is for your show if you want to use it. And I thought it was a perfect opportunity to kick off All Horror October with our first Oktoberfest of 2022. This is from New Magnolia, a beer that we've only done once before. And if you think hard, you'll remember what we did. The New Magnolia had to do with... Was it a PTA movie? Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, no. The I don't remember. Ennio Pilsner. Oh, oh, yeah. That was them. That was a perfect pairing. That is. So yeah. it's a pretty good pairing, too. Our first Octo- All Horror October, our first Oktoberfest. Of course, Oktoberfest is a Marzen beer originating in Bavaria with a lot of different European country you know changes or or you know versions of the style the marzen is typically the beer served at munich's oktoberfest which is why these beers are largely marketed as oktoberfest beers yeah we've had a few oktoberfests on the show before usually just happened, right? start coming coming out around august or you know late um July, so that you can begin getting your fridge ready for the month of October. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Oktoberfest just happened in Munich, didn't it? Did it not? Like last week? I don't know the answer to that, but I, I think will. I think. It, it starts in like mid September. Okay. Like it's all. It always throws people off because you know you want Oktoberfest to happen in October. It's just it's in the name. You want it there, but it but it sort of. I believe the time period actually starts in September and maybe doesn't even make it much into October. It's September seven in 2022. It was September 17th to October 3rd. There oh, you so, go. We're so we're still in it. We're at the well, right at the end though. Tomorrow the, is the, the on end. the day of recording. Yes, By the time right. that you, the general public, get this, right. Oktoberfest will be over. You have to drain pour them all. Why is Oktoberfest in September? As the festival got longer, the starting dates were moved into September because the days were longer and the weather was warmer. Oh, there you go. Well, we don't have that problem here. I was so going to say we yeah. can definitely do our Oktoberfests in October here in South Texas, and, traditionally, and they're the, more comfortable. Traditionally, yeah. the best month of weather in our home, where we. That's what Aaron claims. I feel October. like it goes in. I feel like November is even a little better, mm. but it, November can be, get pretty good because you too. you get truly cooler days, and and you can even wear a sweater occasionally, and that's kind of nice. Well, we are mm-hmm. celebrating all horror October with this beer, Carlos. You kind of helped programmed. Well, it's helped you. Tra- Basically, we, programmed we, the episode. This we gave you. him the right, sure, 
to program this final episode, final regular episode. Let's be clear, folks. We do have Carlos under contract to return for every cage match. So you you will still hear his mellifluous tones when the time comes for us to get back in the cage. But for our final regular episode, which happens to also start off our All Horror October, it made perfect sense. Not so accidentally. Yeah, for Carlos to, uh, to program one of his last episodes with us. Um, and as we dive in, this is our, this is the film we're about to talk about, the 100th horror film that we have ever discussed. Wow. We're talking about 2011's Red State, uh, a Kevin Smith film. Mm. An interesting one, to say the least, one that definitely caught people off guard at the time of its release. Um, Kevin Smith, I mean, who we all know, uh, not quite known for the horror genre. Wouldn't exactly call it his bread and butter. Hadn't been. Well, yeah, I mean, depending on who you ask, might still not be. <laughs> I mean, you know. Well, that's true. I don't know that he's known as a horror director, but certainly Red State touched off something where he did. He has dabbled in the genre. He has ever dabbled. Since. Yeah, there is. Um, there was a horror anthology akin to VHS called Holidays that he did a vignette for uh, in 2016. But this this is his first. Uh, horror entry in his right. filmography we're coming hot off the tails of cop out in 2010 <laughs> uh, a notorious debacle in, right? a notorious debacle one that um, epitomized the old adage never meet your heroes uh, it with the Bruce Willis situation yeah, yeah. created a um, a tumultuous relationship between Smith and Willis for a great many years I, I you know Four or five years ago, maybe they talked it out and they did, yeah, like civil or like on decent terms at least. Um, But yeah, Zach and Miri make a porno before that Um, in 2008. 2006 was Clerks too, so that's kind of the run leading up to this. And basically, Red State, the plot of it, you know, we're kind of looking at a Waco situation here, right? We've got this religious fundamentalist church uh, called the Five Points Trinity Church um, headed by a radical fundamentalist pastor named Aben Cooper. Very small congregation, almost all related, very extreme views, picketing funerals, doing all this crazy stuff. Um, But the kind of inciting incident that sets the movie forward is you have this group of these three high school boys um, who are doing the online hookup dating thing find <laughs> find a find a woman who lives near them that wants to have sex with all three of them at the same time they go to meet up with her uh, only to be drugged and wake up well at least our um I guess our main character, Jared, played by Kyle Gallner, uh, wakes up in a cage to look around and track down his friends Billy Ray and Travis to figure out, you know, what what exactly is going on. Uh, And then their situation escalates to where John Goodman's character, Joseph Keenan, uh, gets involved. He's an ATF agent. Uh, And then we have a standoff that leads us into the climax of the film. This is... An out-and-out horror thriller movie. It's not funny. There's none of that Kevin Smith, like, trademarked goofiness. Jay and Silent Bob don't show up. There's none of that. It's just pretty unsettling front to back. 
and uh, you know some context about the release of the film itself. Um, it didn't get a proper theatrical run. You can kind of see uh, Smith doing the same thing right now uh, with Clerks Three, but he uh, premiered it at Sundance, a place that you know is near and dear to him. It's where Clerks premiered and things like that. Um, premiered it made an announcement that at the premiere of this film at Sundance, he was going to be auctioning off the distribution rights to the film, only to then auction them off to himself for a dollar. And then he took the movie on tour where you bought tickets to like a, you know, not a movie theater, but like a theater theater where you'd see like stand up or whatever, watch the movie with him. And then there it would be followed by a Q and a, uh, which he's doing with clerks three right now. Um, upset a lot of people upset a lot of industry people and uh so that's kind of the context around this film why it's probably a film that unless you're a big kevin smith fan you haven't heard of and if you did see it on netflix which it lived you know which is where it lived for many 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 years probably like 10 9 or 10 years it was on netflix you might not even know it's a kevin smith film upon mm-hmm. watching it for the first time yeah, I, would, I mean, there are no, none of the tale, telltale signs of a Kevin Smith film. Yeah, uh, There it, is one. It features a lot of acting. There's a lot of dialogue, a lot of okay. focus on performance that is a hallmark of Smith's Style. Okay, but 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 outside, but of I think tone wise, well, I was going to say, that. but I but I think he's taking great pains also to have the dialogue be less Kevin Smith like than in his other films. Like I understand what you're yeah, saying; yeah, it yeah. is a dialogue driven film, but there's no pop culture references, right? That stuff, yeah. Ex- exactly. Other maybe a little tiny bit with the the young men at the beginning, the the trio, that but they're mm-hmm. kind of uh, they're inept. I mean, they're they're idiots. And, yeah, they and are they're, huge yeah, idiots, yeah. and. Interestingly They're not like the enough, lovable sort of savant pop culture idiots. That oh you no, get. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's not really a whole lot going on upstairs. Um, interestingly enough, Kyle Gallner, the guy who plays Jared, kind of the ringleader of the group. Uh, the only thing I knew, or that I still to this day I think know him from, other than this movie, is an episode of Law and Order SVU, <laughs> where he co-stars with Melissa Joan Hart, who is his teacher, who he is having an affair with. And so the whole thing goes to trial. And it's it's one of those rare SVU episodes where the majority of it is the trial and not the investigation trying to find a killer. Like, you know exactly what crime was committed and by whom, like, pretty early on. And then you see this trial. Uh, and it's, you know, a back and forth between, like, who was the, aggra- you know, whatever. But right. the end of the episode is, like, this kid's legal team appealing uh claiming some kind of like well he had there's something he has like a some kind of mental disorder where he lacks any impulse control and it's not his fault he couldn't help himself and the kid gets off and so that's like the whole thing of the episode is like what does this precedent mean like can these kinds of defenses really be so he you was know. put in. Did he kill the teacher? No, he. It was like a sexual assault thing because it. Sta- he assaulted the teacher. Well, it started with people thinking that she assaulted him because he's a minor. Oh, but then, that's, it, see, that's where I thought. Yeah, we're, we're sorry, gonna, sorry. Yeah. But then, no, it, but 
throughout the episode, like they find him like in a seedy motel with a prostitute uh-huh. and realize he's like a sex addict that's uh-huh. like constantly like going out, finding these these prostitutes, sleeping with them, and that he has this like you know whatever. Oh wow! Um, but it's a whole thing. But that's the only thing I knew so him from before. Him? So it's interesting. But this was a standout episode, clearly. But it, for you, yeah, and it's it's one that they aired a lot on like yeah. TNT and stuff. But the I had. The first time I watched this movie, I'm like, who the fuck is this kid? Who is this kid? Like, I just, he's, his, it's it's one of those moments where you see someone's face and you're like, I've seen this person yeah. before. But granted, he's older in this movie, stuff like that. So I had to deep dive into his IMDb and I saw it. And that's part of why I remember it as well as I do right. is because I had to dig deep to figure out where I knew him from. But it's a, such a similar role that he's playing. It's so odd that... Yeah. The only two things I'm ever seen, I've ever seen him in. He's just like he's a, a kid that just like can't of sorts, like yeah. think about anything else other than having sex. Yeah, I, I of those younger uh, characters there, I didn't know him. I, I have not. But you seen knew this. That. But you knew Billy Ray. But I knew Billy yeah. Ray, Nicholas Braun, uh, who shows up in Succession these yeah. days, um, and I think cousin Greg, who has uh, I think skyrocketed to to a slightly loftier position within the. Uh, the world of film and television now. Well, a character that I feel like people talk about a lot. Absolutely, yeah. I see it. I see people talk about cousin Greg. Right. Tweeted about all the time. Interestingly enough, I have my. I don't have a cousin Greg, but there's a person in my life that was referred to as cousin Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Michael Angenaro. I know he's been in uh, or Angerano. Sorry, he's been in a Frank, few things over the, the year. Name? Yeah. Uh, no, Travis. No, Travis. Travis. But he's been in a few things over the years. I think he was in a couple Disney movies, but. More recently, he was on that series on Showtime about uh, stand-up comedians in, in the 70s in L.A. It was kind of like a comedy oh, store series. But okay. Anyway, so I, I recognized a few of them, but but kind of smaller names, especially at the time, yeah. I think, to, to have there. Yeah, Cheyenne looked familiar, uh, the kind of younger caretaker of the children. She, I've seen her in a Carrie couple Carrie Bichet, things. she shows up in uh, Halt and Catch Fire, that series. Uh, That's what I know her from. And then like the woman who like lures them, Melissa Leo, She's the actress. She's Frozen been in a lot River of stuff. is fantastic. If you haven't seen that, Treme, which a series she was on with John Goodman for oh, at least one season. So that and that was not that much different in time. They were probably working together uh-huh. similarly. Another thing about the first time I saw this movie is the first time I'd seen a skinny John Goodman. It really kind of freaked me out at first, or not freaked me out, but I was Which like, kind of, I think he's even guard. lost a little more weight. He has, since then. Yeah, yeah. He has. yeah. But you're right. This was the thinning John yeah. Goodman. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But it's yeah, it's a. He kind of does that. He goes up and down a little bit, but uh, it's just. I think he's trying to stay down now. Yeah, but well, that makes sense. Yeah, him gaunt is alarming given how much we know of him as a character actor being alive. Right. Yeah, such an interesting movie, though. I mean, the first time I saw it, going into you know, I was like, oh, it's a Kevin Smith movie. I'll watch it, and then blah 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 blah. And also, as with the second film we'll talk about today, a somewhat divisive movie. Josh DeLeon, former guest of the show refers to it as possibly Kevin Smith's best film and then the one thing about this movie and we're sorry to all the listeners but you can't find it anywhere uh, yeah. a DVD is like 50 75 I mean I'm sure it's gonna come onto a streaming platform sometime or another who's gonna <sighs> I don't know but I, I hear I what know. you're saying but it's, 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 it's frustrating it's, right now to it's, when it's, we thought of this it, it's the rare film these days yeah that you can't find it's on interesting any when we discuss a pairing that we're gonna do with a new release or in this case, two older releases, I make the assumption that it's going to be available somewhere. Right. 
and even we if have, you have run to pay into, to rent it. I mean, yeah, yeah which is which even is if we've got to spend four or five bucks, but right. we've run into this situation a couple of times where it's just not available anywhere. And it goes back, I think, to that distribution strategy that you were talking about, Carlos. Kevin Smith at that time and in his career was very unhappy with the studio system and the idea that they were marketing his movies not inappropriately in his mind. He had moved away from that core style that he had done over the last couple of films that you talked about. I think Cop Out, he did not write. He didn't write. No. And he was he was like a studio director for hire. Yeah. Prior to that, Zach and Miri made a porno. He's going to hitch his wagon to the rising Seth star Rogen. of Seth Rogen. Yeah. And, and that didn't produce the box office he did so he was really trying to i think do a pearl jam Ticketmaster old school situation <laughs> where i'm gonna do this on my terms yeah. i'm gonna cut out this thing that takes away such a large portion of the money from me in yeah. the in the system the scheme of the thing and i don't know how much success he's found with that because uh, i know i think he's running the same model for clerks three he is a lot of success in the Clerks uh, 3 model? And, well, just in his the last 10 years of his career. Good, yeah. Um, and well, he's done great with like just diversifying, too. And he was already yeah. doing that with the touring. The podcast. And the, and touring, the podcast, Comic Bookman, yeah. merch. Collab well, actually, um, Hometown Hero, Jalapeno Salsa, has a merch collab with him right now. She produced no kidding. Uh, a run of salsa, great salsa, salsa Shark. Salsas I haven't that are that. on the Kevin Smith uh, merch store that she no made. Kidding. Yeah, but let's talk about the departure um, from the comedy into the horror. I mean, how effective is he here? Well, uh, yeah. So to to finish off my point about it being divisive, Josh, one of his favorite Kevin Smith movies, because it's so unavailable, I had to put out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere that I could possibly reach anybody that I've ever met in my life, and say, "Does anybody own this movie?" Yeah. And my buddy Damien, who's you know, a regular haunt around the shop said he had one and he would bring it. He was like, I'll bring it to you. When do you need it by? I said, Friday. He brought it Thursday. Thank you, Damien. And brought it. It's a burned copy or whatever. He throws it on the counter and he was like, I didn't even like that movie. I think it's Kevin Smith's worst, <laughs> worst movie. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. Like uh, another buddy of mine says it's his favorite. And he was like, this one, his best movie? <laughs> it's Clerks for sure. This movie sucks. Uh, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure. Whatever. Um, but I'll say that when I first saw it, it was pre. Uh, well, at when I saw it, it was the most recent film he had made, and I I really like this movie. I think it's very very effective. I think it's really unsettling, mm -hmm. and it's just so. It was just so interesting to watch him take this weird turn and like also be like good at it at the same time. I mean, you know, you talked about some of these him being a director for hire and some of these other things. But one thing I know that he's talked about with Zach and Miri specifically is that after the Jersey Girl tanks, he's looking at his career. He's looking at what he wants to do. He's already made all of these movies that are personal to him from Clerks, Mallrats, Dogma. Mm -hmm. you know, Cold classics all um, Things that are about his experiences. And at that point, feeling like he's kind of run out of experiences to draw from. He's just like a Hollywood guy now and like, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So around Zach and Miri time, he's looking at the landscape of comedy in movie theaters and seeing that Judd Apatow's the guy. This is the model that works. Like these irreverent, raunchy kind of comedies. And Which he, he was doing. He, he, I mean, he was, but he. He says very matter-of-fact, or he has in the past said very matter-of-factly in interviews and on his podcast, that when he wrote Zack and Miri, he was specifically setting out to make an, an Apatow-style yeah. comedy, and sure. it did not work because that's not what he does. Mm -hmm. And then after that doesn't work, then he's like, well, I can just direct movies. That's what I do. It doesn't have to be something I write, makes cop-out, 
doesn't work and then takes on this project has this whole hang up with the studio system and then hangs his hat up he's like i'm done after this one yeah. but i but i think it works really well and i think what this movie really hinges on is how great every performance in the movie is michael parks is fantastic in it i think the kids are really believable um i i think the melissa leo is scary yeah, oh, she's, she's great. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, she is just a, a top-notch uh, performer who any role you give to her, she's going to nail, and she does it yeah. here for sure. Ditto. Um, and, and I agree. Michael Parks, I think there's going to be some some way we're going to have to have the title of this episode be like Michael Parks uh, MVP or something because <laughs> th- this guy is, I think, one of the underappreciated screen presences. And I've seen him in films before and I think taken him for granted. Yeah. But seeing him in this film where he really is kind of a leading presence, mm-hmm. a key presence, a key figure, and then our next film he'll also be uh, a key presence in. I mean, it's so much the creepiness of this film hinges on him working the way he does and him being able to bring across the kind of performance that he does in this film. It's a lot like uh, with uh, Help Me, Ty West, uh, the... Uh, the Sacrament? Yes. Yeah. The, the the actor there who plays the cult I, leader. I don't remember his name. But right, but, but you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. delivering that kind of charismatic slash troubling slash... The gravitas of yeah, the like performance. You yeah. need somebody who can pull that off and Parks does to. it here in a big way. In a big I, way. I hear what you're saying. I do think this film is a good film. I, th- I think this is... It's sad that this is a film I think that got kind of swept under the rug, at least for non-Kevin Smith fans. Um, or non like horror devotees. Yeah, but coin, even among a jo- a even among horror here. devotees, has this been uh, like a celebrated? This isn't it something. Is. It I think is. So. Okay. Well, okay. Well, among people that I know that are really into horror, it's something that gets brought up every now and then. Like, oh, do you remember that weird like yeah. horror movie that Kevin Smith made? That's like super serious. Yeah. Like, it, I mean, it's just it's not a Kevin Smith film, but it's in, definitely an underground cult thing in the traditional sense. It has an interesting kind of bifurcated. Uh, form to it that i i think next movie has too yeah right (laughs) um but but you know here where you kind of start out and you think okay this is going to be the horror story of these three guys and how they're being sort of whatever they get into trouble they get tortured they get they're held captive um and it is that but then at a certain point there you switch over and it's like well those guys are getting dispatched so (laughs) it can't be their film um and they and it switches over to being the story of the atf agent and it's a much more at that point it almost turns away from horror into like a more straightforward kind of action thriller sort of it definitely like gets action thriller end, yeah, or something yeah it becomes which, like an assault on precinct 13 type yeah of siege or film. like a waco kind of tv movie there's a tv movie about wait i mean it's there's very much too. that like showdown kind of at, at a you know cult compound thing i mean going it's on yeah here. it's obviously waco inspired i mean they even right, reference it in right. the movie like waco like yeah like, oh we can't be the guys that fucked it up again you know yeah I lived in Waco during Koresh for the really? whole thing. I'll tell you a couple stories. Where you were out at the hours. compound, right? <laughs> Patreon.com slash Brain Movie Podcast. Uh, David, yes. <laughs> you just couldn't get away from the rock shows, from Koresh on that guitar. <laughs> right. That just like, oh, uh, I, did, I never attended a service at the compound, but once the compound became a thing that yeah. we knew about because of the news, right? I did get there. Really? I'll tell really? you about it after. Oh my gosh! All right. That's wild. 
So it's, I mean, it was great. I'm glad that I got a chance to see this. It's just, it's, it's. So you're looking at like a B minus. I feel, no, I feel like this is kind of a strong B to B plus. Maybe, okay. you know, I think this is a. Hard B. Yeah, I think this is a solid horror film. Horror film that transitions into more of an action thriller um, with some great performances in there. Some, like I said, a little bit of an unexpectedness to the way that it plays out because it does make that shift and it becomes more the story of the siege on the compound and what's going to happen there. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it was just, I knew it's not, it, it wasn't shocking because I knew I had heard for many years that this was such a non Kevin Smith kind of Kevin Smith film that I wasn't, but you're right. If I was seeing this on cable or something and I hadn't caught the credits and I didn't realize that this had come out or whatever, I would not have yeah. any way guessed that stark, this was Kevin stark Smith's. departure from what we knew this director to and be doing cool prior to And it's cool to see. I like, because I've always felt, I like, we've talked about some Kevin Smith films on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I like some of what he does, but it can get a little bit too Inside insular baseball. and a little too much just about itself to really work. Which we'll talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Red State doesn't have that problem. Right. Red State doesn't have any of that baggage. Well, it's, and it's I think it just It does have some Easter eggs. But. It's in that series okay, of films it, where he's trying to do something different. Yeah, and I yeah. think as an artist, Kevin Smith almost needed that kind of adversity after the cult-like success of the first couple of films. Even if Mallrats wasn't the financial right. windfall first four, that they I mean, the first expected. four. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. I mean, because one of your favorites is Dogma. Dogma is my favorite. Dogma films. is your favorite Kevin Smith film. Yeah, and that's To this fourth. day, and to we've talked day. about it here on the show. Yeah. Dogma is. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Let's establish that. Yeah. yeah Let's make sure. No, and, and no me, it is. I, we talked and about we it. Li- and we all like that film. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and I film. think for me, it's still Clerks. I think it's still Honestly, original. Honestly, I think that's probably my favorite. Dogma is probably my favorite. Oh, really? Is that right? I thought you were going to say Clerks. No, I like Clerks a lot, and it has it definitely has the advantage of being the first in like his first big stage. Statement, yeah, but I think that he had taken that thing to one of the more interesting places he ever did with Dogma, where he folds it in with the religion and all these yeah. different ideas and and these different strange characters and their and there's a string of silliness in it too. Yes, definitely. So it doesn't just hang right. on Jersey and the Skew Universe and the. Other. It gives me some organized religion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it brings in these other things. Yeah, right. You know, so I, I don't know that God that herself. One, that one I think kind of goes above and beyond the, the normal. But it, but it's an amazing thing, and I think you're right, Joe. That the where this comes in his career, I think, it is important once you make that recognition yeah. and, and you start. But it's it's amazing to me that it kind of just works on its own, and that makes it sad that it's had this kind of tragic distribution yeah. story mm-hmm. hard to find that but it wasn't for so long as the thing like it just like it was hiding on netflix for years yeah. and that's how m- myself and most people that i know found it yeah. Yeah. was like just scrolling through like oh what's in the horror but section I get, don't you don't you all i mean don't you share with me the notion that that the impression of the advent advance of of peers to netflix your hbo max your hulu that all of these kind of films that aren't owned by Paramount, say, that can then be streamed on Paramount Plus, are being pulled to find their home, and so they will they will all emerge because there is money to be made with each stream. But some of them just don't have a house yet. Yeah, I think I mean, Netflix was the only house in town for a while. That's why Kevin Smith had Red State there. 
Yeah, I would. I would. Not, I wouldn't disagree with you. I think at the time, like there was Netflix and Hulu, mm-hmm. right? But you're saying everything from Disney being pulled from anything else, so that it can just play on Disney it's yeah. across the board. Yeah, yeah, or even just like random things being pulled, like Marin isn't anywhere anymore. Right. You know, yeah. that was on Netflix forever. Now it's just gone. You yeah. can't watch it anywhere. Like maybe there's DVDs you can find somewhere. Yeah. But I don't know. Anyway, he talked about that um, recently with uh, Whitney Cummings, actually. Yeah, oh, interesting. Uh, but. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I I do really like this movie. Another interesting thing about it is I've heard him in interviews say that like, oh, if you if anyone wants to be a film composer, go score Red State. There's almost no music in that movie. <laughs> You're and right. So, and so I thought about that when I was rewatching it this time because all the times I've watched it before, I heard him say that I'd never thought about it. It never struck me. Um, but watching it this time, it's like, yeah, there's like uh, the scene where one of the kids is running away and he ends up in the artillery room. When he's running, there's like some percussion, and that's yeah, yeah, uh, really. But I will say I'll give him a little bit more credit that I do think there are. I do think that the focus on long stretches of dialogue, where the camera is just watching an actor act, is a Kevin Smith stamp that seeps its way into this, despite nothing else from his usual repertoire. Yeah. being in this movie but I think if you're really like if somebody said who do you think directed this and made you watch it I think that there are pieces in there that could get you to guess him but maybe I, but it's, I, it's a tough sell it's a tough yeah, sell yeah yeah I, I hear what you're saying it's it's you know it can't be totally separate from his work I mean there, there are going to be some overlaps but um, but it stands but it's not pre- funny but it stands <laughs> stands pretty far also I would say that far. the second half where we get into the ATF business I, I mean it, it it departs from like the from like horror because it's not like as gory or as like uh, I don't know maybe whatever the textbook kind of things you would say about horror is but I think it still lives in that horror thing just because of like how fucked up it is you know yeah. like like John Goodman getting the call of like go in there and kill everybody yeah. and them having to have like an actual conversation about are we going to go kill every single one of these people right. you know right. and then like uh, fucking Riley from uh, Buffy Mark Blucas yeah, who is uh, he's the guy that Cheyenne runs out to uh-huh. uh, and saying like hey help me bring these kids in and yeah. he has that whole like am I going to kill her or right. not and right. like almost does and then Melissa Leo kills him yes. like that's that scene it's like this is fucked. This is so yeah. fucked up. Like, yeah, no, and I, I give him points here too for it's not just you know obviously the church is villainous. The 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 church is is a big problem here, but the ATF is just as big, is a, just problem. As big a problem. <laughs> though it does have a little bit more sympathy, but then there are sympathetic characters within the church. It's Cheyenne. Yeah, yeah. Cheyenne. It, it's it is kind of a more complex portrayal of the threats in a horror film than we tend to get and it i feel like it really takes you through a bunch of things too because like it sets up the church as being so terrible because everyone you see is just like trying to like kill these kids you find out that they've been like murdering you know homosexual people in their community and then picketing their funerals or whatever and then or not or whatever picketing right their funerals. very westboro-esque very yeah. westboro-esque but with a murderous edge a homicidal edge to yeah it. and then and so within, so you set up the church as being just like bad, right? And then you bring that Cheyenne character in, who's a little more redeemable. She seems to have some sympathy for the kids. Realizes that all of them could go away for life, 
you know, they don't need, she's like literally tells the ATF, like, you don't need to kill us, like go inside and you can put all of us away forever, you know? And then, but then the ATF comes in and at first like, okay, they're going to stop these bad, crazy religious fundamentalist people. And then they're like, no, we're going to kill them all. But then John Goodman's kind of like on the edge about it. And then he doesn't kill them when the big trumpets are sounding or whatever, which Mm -hmm. is a really cool scene. And then again, at the end, you have the two like overseer guys that are just like monsters, you know, and are just... Like, oh, yeah, we're just going to, like, lock him away and let him get raped until the end of his days or whatever. You yeah. know, they're just so fucking crass about everything. And yeah. so it's just, like, every time that a character or an organization within the film has even a moment of redemption, it's like, <laughs> you know, and then you bring it back around again. I don't know. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a very interesting watch. An entertaining one, too. I mean, if you don't even really want to think about the subtext or where it fits into his filmography, it's just, like gripping you know it's a compelling film and it's like a tight 88 minutes or whatever you know it's not like there's not a lot of filler or fluff it's just like straight to business let's go you know um well i'm glad that i got the chance to watch it uh and and carlos uh i think you're glad we got the chance to discuss it how do we all feel about the chance we've had here to uh, drink some uh of is it New Magnolia? New Magnolia. New Magnolia. Out of, uh, Houston Heights, uh, Houston's Heights neighborhood. Their Oktoberfest, which as Joe said, is a German style Marzen Lager, six point oh percent alcohol by volume. What did, what did you guys think? Is Oktoberfest starting right here on the podcast? Yeah, you know, I, as I try to warm up to loggers in a general sense so that I'm not just the guy that has this weird prejudice that means nothing at all except for the fact that I prefer this or that. This is a lager I could I could get behind when an Oktoberfest is done right. On October time at the liquor store, you see this glut of all of the breweries doing their Oktoberfest. And I'm going to say some of them miss the mark. This one does not to me. It's got the nice warm bill of malt, but it's got to have a, like a crisp hop you know, balance to it. It's got that warm bread, like flavor aroma that you kind of expect when you get these Marzins. I, I enjoyed this one very much. And New Magnolias, I think, is hitting two for two for these lighter styles the lager and the pills that we've had here yeah i'm a fan nice dig it yeah i like oktoberfest when it comes around i'm i'm i am the lager fan on the podcast so lager it makes boy. sense uh i think with uh marzins they're they're probably one of my lesser favorite mm-hmm. lager styles just because it is a little bit malty or a little bit sweeter um you, like you said joe there's some bread notes there's also a little caramel in there yeah. Th- you know, I, I, but it's still light enough and refreshing enough that I could drink this. And, and especially on like a, you know, I, what, what's perfect Oktoberfest temperature? Probably like 68, that right? Sounds, that sounds you, lovely. If you had like 68 degrees, you're sitting outdoors at a, like a long shared table. Right. Um, you have a big beer stein. The you know, pretzels the, nearby. The pretzels, the, the schnitzel is right, you know, and you have a nice big, you know, full, uh, yeah, tanker to that. I think. You're going to love it. You're going to enjoy it. I certainly would. Yeah, New Magnolia, I think, did a really good job here. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing that our way, Joe. My pleasure. Um, You know, this is an exciting start to our All Horror October, looking into a kind of underseen, underappreciated horror installment from a filmmaker who's not typically known for horror and and yet has gone on to do more. So when we get back, we're going to visit another of Kevin Smith's horror outings. Um, In fact, I think it's the next one. Very nice installment, yeah. When we get back.
last time. Absolutely. There was no question. The reflex for me is once I press record to do it, but since I'm not the one pressing record, I keep forgetting. That's right. We have been segueing uh, into Carlos's last episode here. And before we continue, it only makes sense that maybe David and I talk wax philosophical and uh, in... in I don't know, memorable, you know, Carlos inclusions into the show. I'm going to miss, I'll tell you this first of all, I am going to miss the thing that I talk about the most but want to pretend like I don't talk about the most, and that is the idea that David and I are more similarly aged than you and David or you and I. And frankly, I'm going to miss those behind-the-scenes conversations whenever we're going to pick the films. Yeah. Carlos always brings something that I'm not going to think of. And oftentimes we'll go with one of those suggestions because it in introduces an element that you and I, David, maybe alone, wouldn't introduce. I think Carlos has been incredibly, incredibly creative and incredibly fun to do this with for, oh, the hundreds of episodes we have. Over 200. Yeah. yeah. And it's really just because I haven't seen very many films. I've seen almost <laughs> no films. That's not true, but <laughs> but and it, you, you've seen a diversity of films, and you've seen some films that uh, that, that would not have normally uh, you know come into uh, Joe and my mm -hmm. path. So that 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 has been. I, I think you're right, Joe. I will also miss the unique perspective that Carlos brings to beer in a movie, um, and and perhaps we'll still use him as a consultant from time to time when, <laughs> when probably... we're trying to make our selections. I have a feeling that I could be reaching out uh, for, for a little phone-a-friend on that. Like, yeah, as, hey, as long as he's if, willing to do it. Which would you do if you were? That's right. <laughs> but it's been, it's been an honor, and it's been a pleasure. Me and David got you something, a little going-away thing. Okay. Yeah. Joe's pulling this out. This is this is me uh, narrating the event here, so that I'm uh, handing Carlos a gift. It you, is un, it you is probably unwrapped. could have picked any other phrase other than Joe is pulling something out. <laughs> but I, I, I just, could have, but I didn't. <laughs> I just pulled it out. We, it's, it's a framed dogma poster. It's a framed. Look, look, that's look, look, so... look closely. Look closely. No, not oh. just framed, framed, but framed and signed. That's right, sir. Holy shit! It's signed by. Kevin Smith by and Kevin and Jay. and Jay, yeah, silent, silent. Uh, Holy shit! Now we amazing. we're not going to tell you what to do with that, but if you wanted to hang it in Boogie Woody, Boogie Woogie, what is it? Born to Boogie, <laughs> Born to Boogie, well. that'd be fine. It's going in, it's going in Born to Boogie. But Studios if you put it sure. up in hybrid, not only would you have a great conversational piece and a reason that you could tell people, yeah, I was on this podcast, and then give them the web address so that they can continue to listen, <laughs> even though you're no longer involved. But it's just fucking cool. It yeah. is very fucking cool. Yeah. Well, and it is really funny that you both clarified a few moments ago <laughs> that that was your favorite. <laughs> it came up. It came up. It seemed like the right thing to do. Yeah. And so I, we, we, uh, David called Kevin. I called um, Jay, Jason Muse. <laughs> yeah. And they were, yeah, they got they, that right they're, to uh, they're nice enough to run a web store for us. So, yeah, it, it worked out. Worked out. So. Carlos said, "I my last episode is going to be the last one in September. No, 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 wait. I, I do want to do one more All Horror October. Uh, yeah. And he said, and please, can we do Tusk by Kevin Smith? And of course, anything yeah. you want to do, Carlos, anything you want to do. A film I had not seen. I had never seen Tusk. I had seen Red State when it came out. Right. But... I don't know. I was off the Kevin Smith train, and we'll probably get into the idea that something about these let me turn your human form into an animal form, which is essentially the type subgenre of horror 
that Tusk right. is all about. Well, before we get into Tusk, let's get something in our glasses here. For I was the, so for eager to talk about half Tusk. The episode. No, I almost skipped well, right we over had the beer. A, we had a gift to give. Yes, we we yes. had a little discussion to have, and, and we will extend that discussion on After Hours. Forget I'm everything sure. I just said. I'll repeat it in a second. Um, There's a lot to discuss. Yeah, uh, but this is this beer that we're going to have this second half of the episode is coming to us from Wiseacre Brewing. They are out of Memphis, Tennessee. I actually grabbed this on that summer road trip. Nice. Um, and then our... I was planning to have a lot more of these road trip beers on mic with you guys, but then we just went into sober September. Yeah. It, <laughs> it kind of threw that off. But but here's one that we can have together um, that I've held on to because it's a 12 percenter, guys. This is one you can hold on to for a little while. Wonderful. It is astronaut status. It is their bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout, which mm. in this case has cinnamon and vanilla beans mm. incorporated into it. So hopefully a fitting beverage to us. Uh, to, to send off this final segment with Carlos on the regular podcast. Unless you're us. a Patreon subscriber, in which case there's one more segment to come. Well, yeah, that's true. That's right. That's true. Which you first, should be. Our first Wiseacre uh, on the show. Wonderful. And we're actually starting to get them in this market. They they started distributing down here. A couple beers have shown up on the shelves. Depending on the strength of this bad boy, then it might not be the last. I mean, it has all the words on it. Oh, my gosh. I I have not had a bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout in quite a while, actually. I mean, all summer. I mean, this is, ooh, those boozy notes on the nose. I'm hand that over. (laughs) And Joe yanked that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, Joe, you've already started. I smell cinnamon. I smell vanilla. Yeah, yeah, smell booze. Yeah, oh yeah, Tusk. So, um, it is the 2014, like you said, it was the direct follow-up to Red State, uh, based on a story that came up on their on his podcast called Smodcast. It was a uh, episode 259. Okay, the Walrus and the Carpenter. Someone <laughs> had posted on like their message board for the podcast this kind of urban legend of uh, someone that I don't remember exactly it, the story. it was sort of it was a fake ad that somebody yeah, made yeah right? so there's a there's a website called gumtree.co.uk and it's like a British Craigslist and this guy named I think Chris Parkinson's is his name uh, he lives in he's he's this guy from Brighton I think he wrote for the Brighton Daily whatever but also has this kind of trickster side to him. Right before this, he had posted something about a wormhole appearing on like a street or something like that. And he had called like the city and said like, hey, you guys need to come figure this out. There's a wormhole to another dimension. And they didn't take him seriously. So he Photoshopped a bunch of snakes coming out of it and posted it <laughs> on like a community page. It was like, there's snakes coming out of it now. Someone's got to do something, you know, whatever. So like, he's got this kind of trickster like thing that he does but he posted a room for rent basically on gumtree.co.uk which was the genesis of this film interesting so and he got brought on as a producer for the film as well so justin long who we just discussed a week or so ago in barbarian in a very similar kind of role in this very similar yeah uh, he is a podcaster along with... Very ha- successful one. Haley Joel, I See Dead People Osment is his <laughs> podcasting partner. Yeah. And their podcast is about like... Uh, looking body. at uh, weird stuff on the internet and poking fun at it and making fun of people and, you know, the hilarity will ensue. 
They have found a, or no, they didn't find a viral video has emerged of. Remember the guy, the little boy that used to do the Star Wars, the Star Wars of the lightsabers. Yeah. It's kind of like that, but with a samurai sword. But right. in this the Kill viral Bill video, guy, right? Kill, Kill Bill, Bill kid, kid, yeah, he cuts his own leg off with the sword, and that's <laughs> hilarious. So I'm gonna travel. Justin Long says I'm gonna travel to Canada where this kid lives and interview him for the show. Real right. quickly. Every time you say something that I know some behind the scenes tidbit about, do you want me, do you want me to interject? Because it will make for a very long episode, but I know a lot of shit about this film. I, I, I say we roll with it. I so say, I say so the Kill Bill it. Kid episode, the special effects in that scene where he cuts his yeah, yeah, yeah. On all of Kevin Smith's podcasts for years and years and years, he advertised this uh, place in Florida called the Dave School, Digital Animation and Video Effects School, where you could go to learn how uh-huh. to be like a special effects person. And... Uh, the kid in it is a student from the Dave School, and the Dave School kids were also the ones that did the special effects for that sequence. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, well, nice. Interesting tidbit. Continue. The trip does not go as planned. When he arrives at the kid to, to interview the kid, it turns out he's committed suicide <laughs> by the same sword. <laughs> that's right. Bummed out by his Sorry, inability so to get content for his very successful show, he finds in a men's room a ad similar to the one that we discussed that would have appeared on that uh, British Craigslist. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's, but not, it's very similar. Right, but not being overt about the... No, just if you come help out with some chores, yeah. Uh, yeah. you have a free place to stay, I'm an old man and I've got tons of stories to tell, and Justin Long says, this might be exactly what we could use for the show this I'll week. go talk to this guy. Another fun tidbit. Please. The uh, kid's house, when he goes to, the, yeah. to interview him in the funeral... Filmed in North Carolina, they had some trouble <laughs> with some of the camera setups they were trying to do because all of the neighbors came out with lawn chairs and sat in their front yards watching oh, them wow. film this scene. There's like a behind-the-scenes thing on the DVD or iTunes extras or whatever where you can just see all of these North Carolinians just sitting out there going, hmm, watching the going show before here. the show. Yeah, and so they had to cut it differently. Yeah. So he, get he calls up the dude, turns out to be Michael Parks again, uh, who plays uh, ominously. Pre- and presenting himself as Howard Howe. Right, who is uh, wheelchair bound. I just want to kind of spin some yarns for a listening ear. Right. And as the yarns become more and more interesting and fanciful, there's even flashback about how he had met uh, Ernest Hemingway in World War II and etc. So, uh, but before we know it, Justin Long has been drugged and is unconscious and wakes up to have one of his legs amputated at the knee. And so begins a story, horror story, fantastic horror story of Michael Parks transforming Justin Long for reasons we will learn why it's happening into a walrus. And it really dives into the age old question, is man at heart really a walrus? (laughs) Cuckoo kachoo. Cuckoo-cachoo. Um, I mean, yeah, that—that is—that's—that's the—that's the movie. Yeah, I mean, and, and Haley Joel Osment and a girlfriend that we've learned that Justin Long has then played by Genesis an attempt to try to find and save him after he gets his phone and calls them up looking for help. Yeah. Uh, so, interestingly enough. In a similar way to Red State, and again, in a similar way to Barbarian, and I'm sure that's going to keep coming up throughout this, another bifurcated tale. Uh, yeah. A tale that's kind of split down the middle in a certain way. It is, um, though then that second half kind of alternates back and forth. It the, does, the, yeah. but the stuff with, like, Justin Long's character, Wally, 
Wallace Brighton finds himself in dire straits very quickly. Yeah. Like in sure. the first like what 20, 20 minutes, minutes something yeah, like that, yeah. you know like oh this guy's fucked. Yeah. And then they show you the walrus within an hour, mm-hmm. right? Um which is which is a very interesting I don't know the the way that he plays with time and the pacing of this movie is as with most other things in this film odd. Yeah. Not bad, but just kind of odd. Yeah. Well, I I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's bad either. I I think you're right. There is this kind of distinct shift that goes on once we get back to the um, his fellow podcast host, what the Haley Joel Osment character. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the name. Um, Teddy. Okay, Teddy and and his girlfriend. Allie, Allie, played by Genesis Rodriguez. Teddy and Allie, once we get back to them, that kind of becomes a different thing. And then we bring in this character, Guy Lapointe, who is a Canadian detective. French-Canadian, yeah. French-Canadian, right, from Quebec. Um, who, you know, that becomes part of the comedy. Now, we talked about Red State as Kevin Smith's first real foray into horror, where he tries to play it pretty straightforward. Um, and it's a... It's a scary tale. It's a troubling tale. These are characters that are somewhat pretty, believable. I was going to say realistic. Like right. This, it literally, that has, hap- that has happened in our own state. Yeah, yes. Versions of these kind of horrors take place. Yeah, um, in Red State, not in Tusk. Right. Tusk <laughs> is different, right? Tusk is something more fanciful, more absurd. It's based on this kind of hoax prank, you know, kind of concept. But then what do we what what happens if we actually roll with it? And yeah. part of what happens, at least here, is that Smith decides to incorporate some of his sense of humor into the story again. Yeah. And in particular, I think that comes in through a little bit of it comes in with the um with the Justin Long character. Wallace, yeah. With Wallace. Get, but laughing at him for what a buffoon Certainly he is. I mean, he's a him, terrible yeah. person. He, and in the in the first draft, he's even worse than he is in the final How did they cut. soften it? So, <laughs> I mean, he's pretty bad. He's really bad. So in the first draft of it, and literally as I pulled up here, I was listening to Kevin Smith and Justin Long talk about how this all took place. But uh-huh. in the first draft, when Kevin sends it to him, Famously, as you'll read in any like account of how this movie got made, Justin Long's former manager at this point tells him, under no circumstances should you do this film. Do not do this film. <laughs> and Justin Long you know, talks to Kevin and is like, I'm just really interested in this. I'd really love to come talk to you about it. There are a couple of things about the script that I'd, I'd like to discuss. So he goes over to Kevin Smith's house, sits down with him and says, okay, I think this is really interesting and I really want to be a part of it. My only thing is you can't hate this character so early on in the film. He almost has to kind of earn what happens to him and you kind of have to be able to like feel at least at least a little bit bad for him and the way he's written now it doesn't work. It's just and a jerk and, getting his and, come up. And the way he was written in the original draft is the podcast was like a sex adventure podcast. Justin Long was a swinger who traveled around the world having, or not around the world, or maybe the country or whatever, yeah. having sex with other swingers and then coming back to describe those sexual escapades to Teddy, all the while still having the girlfriend Allie at home. Right. And so it's like from the jump, despicable character. Now in the draft that we got that made it to theaters, yeah. we find out that yes, he's a cheater, but it's not like, he doesn't he's not as explicit it. He's not, about no, it. He's right? not talking and, about it on the podcast. And you can if you know that there's this amazing at least in my eyes 
monologue that Genesis Rodriguez gives where the camera is just fully centered on her, slowly dollying in as she like delivers this monologue where she's crying and she's like, the tears are coming down at the exact right moments. I mean, she's fucking crushing it. She was a, a telenovela actress at one point. So she's oh, got the okay. crying on command shit fucking down. And she's talking about all the, all his women, all these empty women that, you know, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then later we hear Justin Long's character talk about it. But that was the first draft. So Justin Long comes in and says, like, we got to fix this a little bit. Otherwise, yeah. I don't, like, he told he said to Smith, like, I don't know how to play this. Yeah so that it works in the way that it's written. And so a few days later, Kevin Smith sends him a second draft with all the changes that they talked about. And he was like, okay, I'm in, let's do it. And if you listen to their Q&A after this movie premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival for the Midnight Madness screening, um, Justin Long, Haley Joel Osment, Genesis Rodriguez, and then Kevin Smith talking about everybody else that signed on to it. Almost everybody that is involved in this movie had it pitched to them by him and was just like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do it. They're all on set looking at each other like, how did we end up here? And everyone talking amongst each other is just like, well, I just wanted to see if he could do it. <laughs> and that's, that's literally how he got almost well, I can, everybody I can, on board. I can only imagine reading this screenplay and thinking... He can't seriously be given. There's no way. Nobody's bankrolling this, right? This isn't going to actually happen. Which, you're right. Nobody was bankrolling it. And the, you know this because you read my thesis. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He put, originally the financing came from him putting up his house as collateral to get it. This film studio, Demaras, comes in and says like, that's absurd. You only need $3 million to make this movie. You're talking about putting up your house. Don't do that. We'll give you $3 million. That's like nothing, you know? And so they gave him the money to do it. But, and yeah, that's so also it should be, I feel like noted that the original ad that came up. So the ad was like, I have a room that you can live in absolutely for free. You have full reign of my like estate. Uh, you can go anywhere you want. Just not my master bedroom. The only caveat is that for, Two hours a day, you have to dress up in a walrus suit and be a walrus. You cannot speak as a human. You cannot act as a human. Everything you do must be as a walrus for two hours. I'll throw you fish that you have to eat, crabs, whatever. <laughs> and it, and then in the ad it says, now I say two hours a day. It won't necessarily won't necessarily be every day, but this is what you should be expecting for, if right. you're going to take this. Right. And so then obviously they change it in the film so that he's not as upfront about the walrus right. angle or whatever. And, and if you watch the trailer and you know before you go see the movie back in 2014, then you know this premise that this guy, this crazy guy, Michael Parks, is going to turn Justin Long into a walrus. Yeah, they didn't try... That wasn't a big reveal. Right. They wanted you to know that going in, like, this is happening. Right. And so, to me... And I never saw the film. So, as I'm sitting down to watch it on at home, now, it's... They've got to sell that there's a good reason to do this, and they got to sell that it makes... It, that it makes sense in the world that they create. Yeah. Do you think they accomplished that? Well, first of all, I don't all, think anyone's really said how they feel about I, it. Yet. I begin thinking, if I picture in my mind what a walrus looks like, how would I turn a human into a walrus? And that's exactly what happens in the film. The legs need to go away because mm-hmm. there's no feet. Yeah, there's no there's no hind leg. The walrus is like on a yeah. fish back. Yeah. You know. and um, it's small hands that are coming out from the sides of what would be maybe our rib cage if you're gonna put a walrus and a human next to one another. And so these gruesome, I think gruesome and effective scenes are 
the for a he wakes up for his with his first leg gone. Mm-hmm. B, we see great performance from Michael Parks in that scene. Sure, we sure, and it's we'll like, why is my leg gone? He's still half drugged, and the, the plausible story that's created for a drugged guy to be able to believe it for now. <laughs> but something a that spider I've, bit you, a doctor he, came, a from brown recluse, yeah, Doctor Mosier, which is a a, a a take on Scott Mosier's last name, his yeah. producer that that he does the podcast with. Um, one of the things I've noticed about that scene with Parks when he's, or when Howard Howe is telling him how the leg went away, and I, I, just, I just, for some reason, it clicked in my brain this last time that I watched it, is you can see it, he's giving, he's, he's acting his fucking ass off in this scene because you can see him acting that he's trying to restrain laughter. Like, you can see in his face that he's, like, about to start giggling. He's about right. to start cracking up, but you can see And he that does at a certain point. He, when he's, he's facing cracked. away, yeah, yeah he, his face cracks a little bit. But the whole time leading up to that, as he's looking Justin Long dead in the face, you can see him trying not to laugh. And it's like, it's, and, I, and I'll come back to this movie all the time, even when we do the cage matches and I come back, because I think it's such a great performance. <laughs> but, but Aubrey Plaza in Black Bear... When there's those scenes where she has to act as if she's acting, right. and then break from the acting that she's doing while she's acting, right? Like that le- that level, those levels of performance, Parks is fucking crushing in this sure. scene, which I think is sure. So, so the, the legs are gone. The 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 arms are fused to the body. That's another kind of gruesome surgery scene. And then there's a. Uh, we learn that the victims that this serial killer has left behind, we learn through the detective character, that um, this is a guy that's trying to get this right and leaving bodies in the wake, more or less. Right. And there's two holes up at the top of the mouth. We, as the audience, understand that that's clearly where the tusks are going to go in. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of like this skin suit. So for a portion With of human the, ears on it and shit, it's fucked up. Yeah, for a portion of it, we see that some of um, Justin Long's skin has been flayed and hung to dry like like a, the leather suit that would yeah. be attached. I think it pulls that part off perfect. The second is the reason why, which is this castaway story. <laughs> like instead of Wilson the volleyball, Michael Park's character as a younger man was on a deserted shipwrecked island, and, but yeah. shipwrecked, and his friend became for three was, years was a walrus. Yeah, he ends Mr. up having Tusk. to eat the walrus in order to not die. But then the next day or something, well, yeah. uh, I mean, he only at the very end of the three years, like right before right, rescue, finally cracks. Yeah. yeah. So, so I thought that that was kind of a plausible story. I enjoyed Michael Parks's stories at the beginning before they've yeah. he's reeled them in and does the turn has occurred. Even later though, too, he, he gives a, sure. a story about I, the about I, the orphanage. I like this movie very much. It really, really uh, exceeded any expectations it's I so had for good. it, and I. I've seen it uh, now eight years too late. Well, it, it is such a strange film. I, and, it is. And I right. love I love strange things. I mean, I I, I think it's hard for me to, um, you know, recommend this as a film that everybody should see because I think even for horror fans, just general horror fans, this doesn't have horror beats in the way that a lot of horror films do. No. The, the, the horror here is... Um, I mean, it is there. There is a visual element to it. I mean, the skin suit that we're talking about, this this walrus thing, is grotesque. Uh, but Justin Long is selling it. Yeah, no, he His does it. screaming when he, he's in the he suit when we first he does see a good him. Job. It's yeah. horrifying. Absolutely, and he keeps it up. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it, it's it's not a pleasant experience. Um, 
the humor works pretty well. But but I just I this does not fit what a typical horror film is. To, Even a typical to me horror in many comedy. Ways. No, not at all. Not at all. It's not making it. It's it's not like a scream. It's not like a, it's not Cabin something that's woods. having fun with horror. It's something that is showing you this sort of patently absurd, and it all hinges on Michael Parks. That's why I say Michael Parks MVP here, because I think he was integral in Red State. I think he's just as important here, without a doubt. He's, use, and he's better in this too. His I think. his performance as Howard Howe is fantastic. The scene, the flashback that we get with Guy Lapointe, where with, he's with Bartholomew he's, Moussier, or, right? Where not, he's not Moussier, yeah, something else. He, is, he is presents Moussier? himself as Moussier, okay. yeah. Um, reusing the same last name uh, that he yeah, uses yeah, for the yeah, doctor yeah, yeah. later, uh, which is just as good. Where he's playing like more of a bumpkin kind of like, uh, yeah, or like yeah. a mentally handicapped kind of character. Yeah, I, I think Gila Point refu- says that I thought I was just talking to, you know, uh, simple simple to country simpleton mm-hmm. or something like that. Uh, but yeah, right. he's he's doing this crazy voice. So the first so i've watched this like one and a half times over mm-hmm. the last week the first time i watched it was with the audio commentary yeah because i had seen it five six times you know before. this film real well <laughs> i knew it well enough that like i knew i could come in and talk about it even if i didn't watch it in the way that you're you know you would right. normally watch it so i watched it with the audio commentary because i'd never done that before and i th- was thinking to myself i've literally listened to almost a- any audio m- anything I could get my hands on about this movie but never watch the commentary what the fuck is that you know <laughs> so I watched it and in that scene Kevin Smith talks about how his direction for Parks was to also do a French Canadian accent and for you know him and Gila Point to be going back and forth with one another and apparently I you know I don't know a ton about Parks outside of these couple things and uh, the records of his that I've found over the years but um, he is apparently somewhat difficult to work with. Like he has a, if you go on his Wikipedia, you'll find in his career a section on him being blacklisted from Hollywood. Really? Yeah. Okay. Not a, 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 and in the in a, the conversation with Justin Long and Kevin Smith that I was listening to as I pulled up to to this recording session, Kevin Smith even refers to him being somewhat difficult, Parks being somewhat difficult. Um, but he just said no. <laughs> like Smith told him, like, why don't you do a French Canadian accent? He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he was like, well, you know, just this, the, the, this context or whatever. And he was like, he was like, no, 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 I'm going to do something else. Uh, and he was like, all right, well, let's do it, I guess, you know. <laughs> and so, and so he started doing this thing, and Kevin immediately, like, I think, understood where he was coming from, and that he was kind of recycling the itsy bitsy spider voice that he yeah, had done. Yeah, and yeah. so it was like kind of there was this underlying pathology to why he was like doing mm. this whole thing, and, and and it ended up working because Gila Point standing on this serial killer's doorstep with the hockey player Gregory Gumtree, a reference yeah. to where this came from, in the house. Yeah, and you would. Without Parks' performance, you might wonder, like, why did he give up on this so easily? You know, like, why did he <laughs> right, just, like, right. take this guy's but word there, for it? But, like, but because the, he's so odd and, yeah. like, just so kind of rambly and babbly, it's like, Parks... You here for the spider? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. Parks is playing this character that you would want to get away from. Oh, you yeah, You know, and, yeah. that's, and that was his explanation to Smith, like, once it all kind of came down to it, was that, no, like, 
you know, he should want Part her. of what lets him get away with it mm-hmm. is that he's so repel. He just, yeah, you don't want to yeah. stay and talk to this guy, yeah. you know, and, and it works for the scene really well. Uh, Michael Parks appearing for me most famously as the older of the father-son cops that show up at the church where the bride has been shot and killed. Kill yeah. 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 Which is how Kevin Smith knew who he was, was from Tarantino. Sure. He... Okay, so the bifurcation. We were seeing horrific images, you know, uh, surgeries, uh, torture. Sewing. Yeah. And then it (laughs) switches back to now the adventure that the girlfriend and the podcast buddy are on in trying to use this uh, detective to... Even before that, it starts with Haley Joel Osment there in the car, and he's on the phone with the local authorities and he's like, yeah, there's recent pictures you can see. It's at NaziParty.com and yeah. then they hang out. No, no, sorry, sorry, spell sorry. It. Spell it's, it. It's Allie that's on the phone and Haley Jones is like, spell it, spell it, spell it. And Not then they hang out. N-O-T-S-E-E. Yeah. Um, if that tone does not work, then this film does not work because they're going back to it so yeah, often yeah, and it's yeah. whimsical and it's it's not just like pure like, comedy funny lines. It's, it's, it's whimsical. And then... I remembered the term, the name Johnny Depp being involved in this. But I kind of <laughs> forgot it when I watched it. And Dude, I was in the theater. It was me and like one other person. Yeah, back in the day. Opening weekend when okay. it came out. And at the end of it, it just clicked in my brain. I was like, wait, who the... Because f-? I was kind of confused who by the tone of French Canadian? And I immediately looked on my phone. And I was like, that was fucking Johnny Depp. I didn't know time. it when I watched Dude, it. Dude, he's... And then I was listening to a commentary on the way over here. I was, I was reminded that yeah. he was A, in the film, and B, played that character. And I was yeah, like... That's crazy. Wow. The, the, what a you can see it when weird you know. decision. You, you're bringing in Johnny Depp to put asses in the seats, and then you completely no. disguise him. But, but you're he, not. He wasn't really he, part of the marketing. He wasn't marketing built. He or, couldn't yeah. be built. His, like, through the unions and all that stuff, uh, his, his agent wouldn't let him do it. And so they did all of Johnny Depp's scenes in three days. And the only reason he's in the film is because their daughters are friends who appear in the film as the girls at the convenience store clerks at A to Z. It's Harley Quinn Smith on the left. And then Lily Rose Depp, who's going to be in the Nosferatu Robert Robert Eggers Eggers. movie. Anya Taylor-Joy and right. Isn't she in it? I heard she dropped. She dropped it. Okay. I think Lily Rose Depp is going to be in it, but it's, it's them too, which they would go on to star in, Mm-hmm. Starting Yoga Hosers, the sequel to this, but it's just like literally from like them having like slumber parties and like running into each other at the school that both their daughters went to. That he was just like, "Would you want to do this?" Like, <laughs> yeah. And actually, that that character was originally pitched to Quentin Tarantino. Okay, and it would have been kind of the same stunt casting, a little bit. But Tarantino's people came back and said he's not doing any acting right now, <laughs> and. You know, whether he wasn't really doing any acting or he just thought the script was fucking dumb remains to be seen. Well, I was saying, though, if those scenes, the different, the sudden shift in tone and then a shift back when we get back and now we're seeing the torture and the putting him in the water and making him I mean, I think it helps. I think it helps. I think it's, I think it's so well done. It reminded me so much of Inglorious Bastards and the kind of the. um, It didn't remind you of Iron Man? How would it have? What do you. Well, it, when he talks about this movie, Smith, he says very matter-of-factly that he stole the climax of this movie from Iron Man. Like, the whole thing around the end of this movie is, like, he was like, oh, man, I remember in Iron Man when Jeff Bridges puts the suit on and he's got the bigger suit and he's fighting he's fighting Tony Stark. Uh-huh. Like, 
oh, we're going to do that. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, I was talking more about just the, the, the shift in tone in the pursuit and Johnny Depp's kind of like very dry delivery. He's not cross-eyed. Johnny. He's not Johnny Depping that performance at all. No. The way you see in, in you know, many he of those. He has a penis nose too. I don't know if you caught that. No, that's a straight out of Valkenvania though. Uh, Nothing But Trouble, the Chevy Chase film. <laughs> oh, really? There's a, he, there's a penis nose in that. But uh, I, I, so because they did that successfully because the horror is executed I think really well because Michael Parks is such a convincing villain and Justin Long is such a convincing in my opinion kind of victim here well but he's also so good at being an asshole the it's film so works weird. the film works 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 for yeah, me I liked Tusk uh, very very much uh, yeah. it, it was funny to see it so close to seeing Barbarian mm-hmm. where as we already said Long very similar is playing a similar kind of character where he's like this outside figure who gets established as this really kind of nefarious figure but but maybe like one who's socially acceptable even though he probably shouldn't be you know what i mean he's a a successful podcaster that's what it takes folks if only we were willing to double down (laughs) well i've I've said it on the show before and to be successful and creative it takes a certain amount of narcissism and the timing of it 2014 was a much different landscape in the podcast well sure but but he doubles down on the like the juvenile sort of uh you know masculinist humor yeah i mean he's right so all that said the punching down humor right very similar to what, what we're seeing in the hollywood big shot kind of character that he's playing in barbarian and then he gets sucked into this scenario in this place that he's unfamiliar with, even though it's a house he owns in Barbarian. It's one that he doesn't spend time at and he's not familiar with. He doesn't know there's this huge labyrinth right. uh, under the house. And here he doesn't realize there's going to be a torture dungeon and a surgery theater and all this stuff going on at the house. So it, it is kind of funny to see him do these two films that are very similar in terms of how the character is established and yeah. how the character kind of progresses through this horrific experience yeah. that uh, that he has. I want to talk about the very end. Um, Justin Long as the walrus and in the zoo. his cohorts defeat the Michael Parks oh, okay. character. And then we a year later, I can't yeah. remember, there's a title card two years later. Three months later. I think it's one year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I will say the typeface that he used in this movie is abhorrent. It is. It <laughs> it's is. so bad. Thank, thank you for mentioning it's that. So fucking it is. Bad. It was a bad choice. Bad font. <laughs> but yeah, I, but yeah, a year later, the, uh, he is now at a sea wildlife sanctuary, a, an, a nearly abandoned zoo. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's the weird. girlfriend and Haley Joel Osment, the podcast buddy go visit him on what must be a, they do that very so often and throw him a fish which he comes out of his little thing to eat and then cry over his... The big gulp cup is still in his Yes, yes, yes. Cry over his demise and leave. He's gone full walrus. He's gone full walrus and frankly, I I don't quite understand it. I mean... But he lets out a desperate wail and the movie is over. It doesn't take too much away from the entire experience, but I... The end is a little bit perplexing. The rescue is not rescuing him and freeing his arms from being sewn to his arms and getting him some prosthetic legs. He's going to re-enter the human race. He is now a walrus. He is, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's and that's part. I mean, that's part of it is that they're too late. Like once he like abandons his humanity in. Which he, I guess, he has to do to defeat his his well, he foe. he had 
his his overwhelming self-interest eventually trumps any humanity that is in him and he chooses survival over maintaining anything that could keep him a civil human being he, and so he was more beast than human to begin with some uh, would say some would say and so once he kills parks with his newfound tusks that's it it's over he can't he can't go back I, I I hear where you're coming from. I'm I still I, I get where Joe is is coming from as well. Like that, and you and you've said as much. Like, I spent I spent, that, I've that spent that years grappling with the end is, of this movie. Is, is it, well, just that they could remain so distant that he like I mean, Haley Joel, Ali and Teddy are up on this like balcony. I mean, they're like and they're having a, an affair. We never got to that plot point, but yes, right. They've been having an affair behind. Right, yes, yeah. and, they, and they're a couple. It seems and. And we see them like looking down, throwing this fish down. Like they can't get near him. His, it, I don't know. Like there's no, and there's no caretakers. It's a decrepit place. I don't, I don't understand why we need to put him in those kind of Once stark the conditions. Constable, where you, you can't take him to a normal I think zoo. A padded, where are you gonna put I think a padded room. No, the room. first thing you're gonna I do think, is take him to an emergency room. This I, is a uh, human in a walrus suit, and then the doctors are all gonna go. You know what? He's Seems to want to be he a seems walrus. Fine. Let's just leave <laughs> yeah. him this way. Yeah, I don't know. His, I don't, know. I don't like know how better to handle it the, necessarily. The official diagnosis, he's gone full walrus. There's nothing <laughs> he can do. <laughs> I think that there is a semester of med school when you have to deal with like a, the human centipede. <laughs> the full walrus. In, the human centipede <laughs> came in and they said the same thing. Okay. Just let, let him keep eating The shit. whole semester on human centipedes. Yeah. Yeah. So... Like I said, I've been grappling with the end of this movie for a while because it is very odd. It's abrupt, and it's like, what the fuck does this mean? What does it mean? You know, mm -hmm. what are they trying to say? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think that Kevin Smith thought that hard. I don't think he was trying to say anything. I think he sure. was. He wanted, I mean, he I wanted mean, an ending. When you listen to him talk about this movie, especially closer to it, like around the time they were developing it, when it premieres at TIFF, all that kind of stuff. He just keeps talking about pushing whimsy is the phrase he uses. And it's just to him, it was just about like, I have this crazy idea. Why not try to do it? You know? Um, so I don't know that he's necessarily trying to say anything, but I've done a little research and into the behavior of walruses oh. and what it, and what it means is man truly a walrus at heart. And what I have uncovered in the, I can't stress this enough, very minimal research that I've done into the nature of the walrus is that the walrus is a gregarious creature. There's very clear social like element to their lives that they exhibit with, you know, the packs that they run in, whatever. But another part of what defines a walrus's behavior is that within those kind of social elements there is a instinct to peacock to exert these kinds of like force like uh, exhibits of like strength and mm -hmm. dominance dominance to be like i'm on the fucking top of this the, yeah. you know and so i think there's something at play there with the with with wallace's innate desire to be the most famous to be the most manly to be the most he found it virile, in his and, walrus and, identity yeah and then eventually it's like oh i can do the ultimate thing to establish dominance and that's take howard howe's life and then he's full walrus and we're done hmm. 
I'm probably reading way more no, into no, it than anybody I, I ever mean, wanted. I think, I think you're right that there's a statement being made about that the, a full transition has happened. With like, even if he rejected it at first, that he he's sort of been. Taken oh, that's over what they do. That, that's the me- that's what though, you were to understand though, as a I, film goer right. is that a full transformation has occurred. Though, am I wrong in in thinking that there has been talk that they maybe would even do a sequel at some point? That's, where I've heard he, these whispers. He reemerges that he comes out of the walrus character interesting i have not heard that i i had heard at some point that that they were talking about the only thing i know is that there was this yoga hosers was made right came out right which is about the convenience store clerks genesis rodriguez appears which i haven't seen but i and i hadn't realized i had heard the title and i knew it existed but i didn't realize it was tied into this in any way and then moose jaws was supposed to be the third in the true north trilogy in which Genesis Rodriguez was going to reprise her role as Allie from Tusk in it. Uh-huh. And as of 2020 at some point, there were still script revisions were being made. So it doesn't seem like it's a totally abandoned idea, but it doesn't right. seem like it's anywhere close to actually being made, which right. it's funny going back and listening to him talk about this movie. Yeah. In 2014... When this movie comes out, the episode is titled Requiem for a Walrus, because it should be noted, this movie debuted on 600 screens mm-hmm. opening weekend, which is a fuck ton of screens for, for such a, a batshit crazy yeah. movie, yeah. and it did not do very well at all. And so like, people are talking shit to him on Twitter, like, you fat fuck, you piece of shit made this shitty walrus movie, fuck you. You know, People are all mad at him, or at least that's how he describes yeah. it. Uh, and he was like, hey man, we sold the distribution to it. We've already made our money back. Like, mm-hmm. No one's losing money, nothing bad's happening. It's like, yeah, I wish more people would have gone to see it, but whatever, like, yeah. we're good. And, and so the silver lining that he keeps pointing to when talking about the relative box office failure of this movie is that because he made this movie and got back into directing after saying he was going to retire after Red State, he had uh, financing for Clerks 3 in 2014 secured, quote unquote. What happened with that, I don't know, because it took him eight years yeah. to actually get that made. So with that and being he's said... he's also doing the road tour version of that, too. Of that, yeah. yeah. They did a, so a couple of Fathom event screenings. Um, but with that being said, I mean, I wouldn't rule Moose Jaws out entirely. I really hope that it gets made. I saw him do like an evening with Kevin Smith thing at the Houston Improv where he read a, uh, a scene from the script yeah. that involved Jay and Silent Bob, who have now been written out of the script. Uh, but it was really funny. I, 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 yeah. I, I was excited about that one. Hopefully it still gets you done. Know, uh, Jordan Peele, uh, Zach Kreger, with Barbarian, comedian, Roots, but to, to make their way into horror, it only made sense that, uh, A, since Carlos wanted to do this film specifically, that we did it, but B, the, like seeing a horror director that at least the three of us can say we admire minimally, that we there's many of his things that we like and some of them that we maybe love, to see his foray into horror and such a uniquely different voice than the comedies he creates and has since cre- created since then it is fascinating, the evolution yeah. of an artist and when I get an opportunity to play with a different set of toys. Yeah. And I think that Tusk, as odd as it is, is, is pretty well executed and the, the stories of the, of the, 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 the man, the, the, the evil guy, which is the Howard, 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 yeah. Howard, yeah. Uh, as a young guy, are very compelling, and the cat and mouse, uh, you know, at the beginning of the film, mm-hmm. as we is very very good. 
Parks and that is, Johnny Depp flashback is such an interesting, odd change in tone that keeps you completely captivated, and then you can't wait to kind of find out what Justin Long's up to. Well done. I, I like this movie a lot. Yeah, and then I, you know, I think the last thing that I want to say, other than just like, again, I think Genesis Rotary is so good in this. And when I saw it, I was like, she's gonna end up in stuff, mm-hmm. like, and has mostly done voice acting work after this, unfortunately. Um, but. The evolution of Michael Parks' performance in this movie from going to being immobile in the chair to getting up, walking across this comically long Batman 1989 dinner table and smacking the fuck out of Justin Long. Like, the way that he plays that progression of going from just like slightly more able bodied Mm -hmm. as time goes on is just, I mean, he's so good in it and then him in the fucking weird walrus tank thing when he like <laughs> the just maniacal yeah. like persona he takes on in there i mean it's a master class in acting regardless of how fucking weird this movie is mm-hmm. i think anybody yeah. can watch it and if you can get past how fucked up the walrus suit looks, which David kind of disagreed with me a, a bit. About. Well, I just I don't I don't find it like it is off putting. I'm not saying that <laughs> it's, it's pleasant, horrible looking, but but this is not a movie that I would be worried about freaking people out about so it's much. Scarred that Kylie, a lot of human centipede. You know, uh, if you're taking humans and turning them into an animal creature. Human centipede to me is a much more disturbing. Which we talked evolution. about doing that as a pairing. Well, with we this. didn't know if Red State was going to make it out yeah, or yeah. make it or not. But when I went back and listened to the episode where the idea came from of, of Smodcast, and then like some of the ones that came out around, I mean, there's there's the original episode. There's an episode of Smodcast where it's like the intro and then the Q&A after the Toronto Film Festival screening. There's an interview with the guy who wrote the original ad who became a producer later, who appears, has a brief cameo in the film. Um, And there's at least one or two more episodes that are about the making of this movie. And Kevin Smith on a number of occasions directly points to Human Centipede as an inspiration for this movie not as much in like plot or like tone or like whatever, but more so just in like, well, if they can do that fucking shit, we can turn right, someone into right. a walrus. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if they did that, we can do this. Well, I mean, and, and, it, and I know? admire it for that reason too, that there, I mean, some would say like, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. I, I get that, but I kind of like it when somebody takes something. And this is very much this, this, this movie is very much a case of this where here is an idea that was put forward in the context of their podcast where they were looking at this ad and thinking about it and talking about how funny it would be. Could you make an entire film out of this? Is there a way to turn this into a story that's compelling and that could pull people in? And the fact that they went through and tried it and I think actually succeeded, you know, I, I agree with you guys. I think there's a success here. I think, um, you know, it, it's not a film for everybody, but if you're willing to go there into some weird places see a masterful performance by Michael Parks and Justin Long, I, I would say. Haley Joel Osment, I can do with or without. That He, he doesn't really matter. Genesis I mean, he Rodriguez, I think, does a great job. He doesn't get a ton to do. But Johnny Depp is pretty good, too. Johnny in this, Depp is and, great. And, and, and he's a guy who I don't know how I feel about these days. But <laughs> nonetheless, I'm, I'm happy to see this role that, that he did where I can tell there's he's having some fun and still able to kind of pull it off. 
it's it's a very fun thing. It's a very unique thing. This is the tusk is the only tusk. You are you are not nope, going to yeah. see another tusk. This is not a formula. This isn't something that nope. even Kevin Smith is going to replicate. No, nope. this is a thing unto itself. There it is, is never going to be a time where the two of you or the three of us talk about a movie on this podcast and say like, oh yeah, it reminds me a lot of Tusk. Right. It's <laughs> right. never going to happen. Right. I Unless mean, it's the, Human Centipede. Maybe, maybe when we get around the to that. closest, well, that comes after. Because, yeah. you know, maybe we could do that with stuff that came before it that right, Smith right. took inspiration from. The closest that we'd ever get is Barbarian and it's only because Justin Long is playing a similar character right. and it has a similar bifurcated structure. Outside of those two elements, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that is tonally similar that is as absurd. Any, I mean, it is a standalone thing yeah. and, you know. Not, not a ton of failure this episode so far. I mean, not at all. This last Barrel bourbon stout. It's got all the words. Is barrel the bourbon, only bourbon, bourbon, bourbon. a hint of failure? The, or uh, B, bourbon will of be, the will barrel. Be able to, there's nothing to wash from our mouths so far. I, I like. I, I didn't note earlier. Yeah. So, the, so this astronaut status also has on its label. Taste the rarity. Yeah. Taste the rarity. Yeah. This I, isn't I, something you can easily get, folks. Uh, Tusk um, isn't something you can easily find. Yeah. It's, it's astronaut difficult status to sometimes to digest. Sorry, no. Folks. Okay. I, was, I was making another uh, cereal candy. I, I know Skittles are not a cereal. I was <laughs> colorful kids. I, I, I liked this beer very, very much. If you said, David, at the while you were pouring it, that you haven't visited Barrel Age Stout, Imperial Stout in a while, this has been a delicious kind of homecoming for that yeah. style. The cinnamon is there. The vanilla is there. The boozy is there, but that not hitting you too hard or making you have to pucker too much. The uh, you can taste the barrel. This is a, a textbook, well executed, in my opinion, uh, yeah. version of the style with the adjuncts they use successfully being all over the beer. I agree. I, this is my first time having it. Uh, like I did go to the brewery and had a couple other beers that they had on tap, and mm-hmm. they were fantastic. And like I said, some of their uh, easier to get beers I think have started mm-hmm. c- coming into Texas, but this one as sort of one of their harder to get beers. 12% alcohol. Whew. It's tasty. That's a, they did a good job. Carlos, what do you think? It's very good. I'm glad that I made David open this bottle. So good that he even spilled a little bit. I did. I did. Well, well. Party foul. Hey, the, the, things are going to happen in the new studio. It's going to get broken in. <laughs> I mean, it's got, look, many, many a beer spilled in Born to Boogie Studios. <laughs> I mean, That's right. It's, That's right. It's happened a number of times, so it's only appropriate that it begins to happen here. Carlos, we all knew one another before we got started doing this. And it has been a pleasure to get to know you better and to truly call you a friend and, and you know, I only hope that we see you a little more often than every 50 episodes. I would, I would, I think it stands to reason yeah. that that would happen. I mean, you'll see me next weekend. And I'll definitely see you at, oh, you're talking about at the music festival, the festival film festival yeah. that you're helping put together. Yeah. yeah, definitely, of course, at Hybrid, where I hope that you'll hang your new dogma poster so that I can just say, yeah, I gave him that. <laughs> uh, David and I gave him that. Um, <laughs> but it's been, it's been, a, it's been a pleasure. And David and I've got some ideas on how we're going to move forward. I can't wait to hear your take on what we end up doing. Uh, all Horror October, the entire schedule's up at our Discord. We've got guests it's on It's a there. good fucking schedule. Yeah, we've I was got, not consulting. 
consulted. No, but it's a good schedule. Oh, thank you. It's a good schedule with a great lineup of guests. Yeah, guests. We're gonna we're not gonna fill that third seat so quickly, David. That's what you and I have discussed about. Let's let's get some new voices and rotating voices. Well, we and, thought it would be fun to ha- have some folks come on and to, with some people who we've had on in the past, sure. some, some new guests, yeah, some new guests, um, and and just try things out and, and see where we go. I think we'll always want to have a third person sure. here. But, fill the Carlos uh, chair. It, it's going to be a big chair to fill. So, yeah. 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 We'll find some kind of arrogant younger guy somewhere that we can bring in full time. They're not hard to find, let me tell you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm, I have to say that I, I'm excited to become a listener. Yeah. I'm excited to get to have that Wednesday ritual of like, oh, I know when I wake up and I'm doing all my stuff in the morning, whether, you know, shipping stuff at the shop or making breakfast or whatever, I know I've got an episode waiting for me. Uh, hey, if you're going to review us, uh, call us maybe racist or sexist. Or something like that. <laughs> call us directly and let us have the conversation maybe before you just put that no, out there. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> you put whatever you, you put feel. whatever you, you want put out whatever there. Whatever you feel. Look, out there. He, here's the thing: when you oh. put something out into the world in a public space, you're leaving yourself open to all sorts of criticism, uh, which we have received We've somewhat done. recently. That's all right. That's what we do. <laughs> uh, which we'll get to in a moment. But before we get to that, I got to do my last sign off. Right. And you know, the best part about this show. What is it? The conversation continues after the episode ends. You can find us. You can find them at any social media site of your choosing. You can find uh, Beer in a Movie at Twitter at Beer in a Movie Show, or sorry, Beer Movie Show. Instagram at Beer in a Movie. Facebook.com slash Beer in a Movie TX. Beer in a Movie Podcast.com is the home base. You can find a link to the Patreon, which we've mentioned a couple times. Patreon.com slash Beer in a Movie Podcast. $5 a month gets you a bonus episode every single week. I can't say how much we appreciate those people mm-hmm. because it has allowed us to be able to uh, make this transition possible. Yeah, you know, absolutely. We were able to outfit the new studio with mm-hmm. the appropriate gear uh, thanks to all of our Patreon people. So thank you so much for supporting absolutely. us and joining in on the conversation, listening to the bonus episodes, all that kind of stuff means the world. Uh, but also at that website, beardmovepodcast.com, again, in case you forgot, uh, you can find a link to our merch where you can get hoodies. It's getting a little cooler. Yeah. You can get sweaters and whatnot, but shirts, mugs, stickers, the whole nine yards. And you can also find a link to uh, the Discord where we're having conversations about all sorts of stuff, a community that I will remain a part of, even though Glad to hear you it. don't, Glad to hear you it. won't be hearing my voice. You'll be seeing the stupid shit that I write in the discord. Ho- hopefully he's going to jump basis. in every week and, and talk about what we got wrong. Oh, and I'll have, be, yeah, I'll, yeah. I will be the first to roast you nice. in the discord. Uh, and then you can also find these great uh, curations of episodes that Joe has put together over the last, I don't know, a couple of years, maybe, um, maybe a year. I don't know. How long have you been doing that? Um, but certainly a good time to dive into that as All Horror October starts. Um, if you have not participated in All Horror October with us in the past, just go click on the All Horror October collection on the website and go listen to all of the past uh, months of just horror content that we have done. And as always, we appreciate you subscribing uh, 
to the show on Apple Podcasts if that's where you're listening and giving us that five-star rating, which we're pretty sure that you're going to do, but mm, not always the <laughs> not case. Always, not always. Leave a review and we will review your review on the show, just like we are going to right now, because uh, we have recently received a one-star <laughs> review uh, from user JW Ford, which I'm not going to read the whole thing, but <laughs> the last sentence or two is reads as such, trash. But what can you expect from a group of straight white men, question mark, especially ones that live in Texas? Also, the beer in a movie stick is cliched and tired. Well, correction, sir or madame. We're not all white. <laughs> At least not soon. completely. We will be soon. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you know, Josh our guest, Leon our guest, is our guest. On, yeah, no, know, that's true. And, that's true. Uh, our our guest will bring the, some diversity. He's going to be bringing the Theo vibes uh, hope so. to the podcast. Well, and we, and we got Anthony and Kaylee Diaz. Anthony's uh, certainly a proud. Uh, hey, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to listen to that. Crypt, are the cryptid folks? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, excited to listen to that episode, especially because that episode, y'all pick some some out there ones ones that i don't think creature ever... from the black lagoon that one and, but what was the second one uh the legend of legend boggy of boggy creek, creek. that which, one i've which never they insisted well not that one i've never heard of. but they that was the one that they really pushed and i have not seen it either but i've heard i've never things. even heard of it so i'm excited to see it creature yeah. of the black lagoon obviously going back to the in the, the kind the, of the, canon I, of classic horror films i've never seen it though me either yeah, that's the thing so it's going to be a fun episode i think for a lot that of reasons. is yeah that is definitely one i mean i'll be with you for for Halloween ends, I'm gonna have to go. I mean, I've gone this far with them. Yeah, I go see the conclusion. Yeah. So there are some that are obvious where it's like, okay, either I've seen them or I'm clearly gonna go right. see them. But that's one that I'm definitely gonna go out of my way to make sure I see the movies before I listen to the episode because those are one all-time classic I haven't seen, one I've never heard of, and that's a very exciting proposition. Um, this has been a very absurd episode of Beer in a Movie. Until next time. It's good to cry. It separates us from the animals. Shows you have a soul. <laughs>